Hey you, welcome to Tea Talk, a space to share the therapy tea. I'm Shailene, your host, and I hope you'll join me each week as we sit down to share tips, stories, and conversations on getting better emotionally, recovering from trauma, and improving your overall quality of life. I want to remind everyone that even though podcasts can feel therapeutic, they are definitely not a replacement for therapy. Please, at any point, if you feel the need to take a break because the content is too heavy, please do that and take care of yourself. Also, if you're loving this podcast, please do me a favor and leave me a review, share your reflections with me on Instagram and share it with a friend who needs to hear it. All right. So I'm ready. You're ready. And we're friends now. So go ahead and sit down, cozy up, and let's get ready for today's episode. Hey everyone, just me here today. It's been a while since I have done a solo episode. And if you've been listening to Tea Talk in its entirety, you know that I avoid doing solo episodes. But I'm happy to be here today and share a little bit about what I've been thinking about and what I've been learning particularly around grief and what's been going on with me in terms of grief. I'll start by saying that I don't think I'm alone in grief being one of the things that I avoid a lot. And so what does that mean? It means that I avoid feeling grief. I avoid, I try to avoid like grief coming, which I mean, that's kind of impossible. If if grief is going to come, if the feeling's going to come, then the feeling's going to come. And I think that trying to avoid grief is a huge source of anxiety. So, you know, I have this fallacy of control that if I just control things or worry enough, then maybe the loss won't happen and then I won't have to experience grief. And so this can show up in different ways. One of them can be, I've talked about avoiding sitting meditations for a while. I used to have a more regular practice and I think I've just been pretty averse to the quiet space because that's when the stuff can come up. It's funny. I have a friend who is pregnant with her first child and I was asking her how she's doing. And she said that she's having a lot of emotions. And I asked, well, what kind of emotions? And she said, you know, I'm kind of all over the place. And last night I noticed, she noticed that her partner had two gray hairs and it made her cry because she said, I just thought about how we're getting older. Like we're just getting older. And I think there is a bittersweetness to that. And so there's something about, I don't know that it's one particular change in my life, becoming a mom or just getting older where I'm more aware of the fact that everything around me at some point is going to leave that I'm not going to be here, that every item that I find valuable, every person in my life that we have, we don't have an infinite amount of time. I was about to mix those words up, but we don't have an infinite amount of time and we don't know how much time we have. And so when you have moments where those waves of reality kind of grab you, I don't know, it can mess with you if you're not ready for it or if you're trying to avoid it. And so I've been aware of this. This isn't new to me. And I know what I would tell to my clients. I know that avoidance strengthens problems. So if I had a client who was avoiding grief, I would completely understand that. And I would encourage them to try and get closer to it because it wasn't going to go anywhere. So I know that logically for myself, but I don't do it. I don't always take my advice. And that's why therapists have therapists and coaches have coaches and teachers have teachers and all of that other stuff. So I've just kind of been noticing this for myself. It's nothing new. 
I've been observing that, seeing where it comes up. And I can tell you, I think that the times that it's the worst is when I'm really anxious. So if I'm really anxious, there's probably something that I'm holding on to. And I don't want that thing to end. And it's not a conscious thing. So it's not always about, I think this is something people need to recognize and consider is that loss isn't limited to death. I think in a lot of ways, loss in the experience of even grief is tied to a lot of different things. Death is one of them, but just there are so many other ways that we can lose things. And even the experience of having joy or love, there's inherent grief that come with that because those feelings don't last forever. And those experiences don't last forever. They come and they go. And so that's kind of bittersweet, right? I was talking to Alex. Some of you might've heard Alex's birthing story on the podcast. It's one of the top episodes, by the way. So even if you're not someone who is planning going through the childbirth process, it's definitely one to listen to when you're preparing for something really scary and difficult. So anyways, her and I were messaging on Instagram, messaging about, I think she messaged me about a video of my son, Christopher, that I put up picture of him, a little video of him playing. And she says, oh, so sweet. And I said, you know, I'm trying to remember to take more videos because I notice that when I'm away from him, I look at the videos all the time and I think, oh my God, he was so small and he is so small. He's only three now, but what I'm seeing right now, it's like, I'm missing it already. And I told her, I feel like I'm nostalgic for the present moment. And to feel nostalgic is to feel like you're missing something from the past. But in moments with Christopher, I feel like I'm nostalgic for the present. It's like these moments are so sweet and pure and innocent and special. And isn't it so sad that they're here right now, but they won't happen again. Like this exact moment won't happen again. It'll change. So I just kind of noticed that. And um, I notice other places where it's been coming up in life and I've been trying to allow myself to welcome it in and invite it in. Another podcast episode on Tea Talk was with Catherine where the title was about her being obsessed with death. And she talked really about what I'm talking about now, which is her relationship with grief. It's surprisingly one of the top downloaded episodes. And I think that says a lot for what people are struggling with and what people are looking for when the idea of healing and well-being come to mind. It's like, how do we reckon with the sweetness and the pain of life at the same time and not lose our minds in the process of doing so? So I wanted to share about another way that I was just examining my relationship with grief was through other people. Most of you, I think, know, and if you know me personally, you know that I just love concerts. It's like one of the things that makes me feel super alive. So in DBT, the mindfulness skill of participate is about completely throwing yourself into an experience and just letting everything go. So the like sing in the shower, dance your heart out because it just feels really good. Like you're not, I don't want to say you're not trying because there are times where you have to push yourself to participate, but like you're in it. You're fully there. You're fully with it. And so concerts are just one of my, I feel that they're, they're one of, I think like a spiritual experience for me, I would call it that. So anyways, one of my favorite bands to go see my husband and I, we love the Foo Fighters and we've been lucky enough to see them a handful of times last year for the first time we traveled to see them. So this is like post COVID, you know, everyone's cooped up 
and they want to get out there. And we were feeling the same. We wanted to get out there and travel. So we decided that we would go see the Foo Fighters in Phoenix. And prior to that, we had gotten tickets to this really special event where the lead singer, Dave Grohl, he wrote a book, which is basically his autobiography. And he did a book tour. It was only in five cities. Somehow Chris got tickets to this and it was in a super small venue. So we went to New York. I think this was October of 2021 to go see him. And he basically tells his story and he's, you know, plays some of his songs, but gives you the story behind them. He's basically, you know, telling his book. And so that's kind of where the story started for me in the sense of we're there. Like, this is amazing. So imagine one of your favorite bands, you get to see them in a very different light because you're hearing more about their personal story and you're seeing them as a human and you're recognizing the common humanity that exists between you and this person that you have watched on stage and watch on TV. You're getting to hear details of their life and their story and how they've been shaped as a human directly from them in a really small setting. So it's super special. And one of the things that he talks about, so Dave Grohl, the lead singer of the Foo Fighters, used to play in Nirvana. So Nirvana is a grunge band back in, I guess, probably like the early 90s when the grunge scene was happening. And, you know, they're this huge band. And uh, Dave Grohl was the drummer for Nirvana. And Kurt Cobain, who was the lead of the band, ends up committing suicide. He battles with drug addiction and likely depression, and he ends up taking his life. And so Dave is talking about this in his story. And he's, you know, he doesn't really, at least now, he doesn't talk about this very publicly. I mean, this was years and years ago. He also doesn't play Nirvana songs. Like that's not a regular thing. So he goes into the story and he talks about how he gets this drum set and he talks about how, you know, if he never had this drum set, he would have never been able to play this song. And he starts drumming to Smells Like Teen Spirit. If you don't know this song, look it up and play it because I'm certain that you've heard it before. So that was really cool because we've never seen, it's like the closest we would get to seeing this song performed live. He goes into when... He lost Kurt Cobain, his bandmate, one of his best friends. And he talked about how hard that was. And he got choked up even then talking about it. And so he talks about how he kind of goes on some soul searching. He doesn't know what he's going to do because this is his, he's young and he just lost his friend and his bandmate, which is also tied to his career. So he goes on the soul search. He keeps getting like little signs, like he'll see someone with a Kurt Cobain shirt at a moment when he's feeling low and you know, he eventually gets back into the studio and writes some music. And then uh, the Foo Fighters are born. And so he becomes, he goes from being the drummer after losing the front man, he goes from being the drummer to the front man of his own band. And in his time of what I imagine is early healing, he starts to write music that helps him through it. And so knowing that, is pretty cool because it takes these songs that you hear and you sing along to and you and you bop and stuff like that um, but it gives them meaning and so knowing that is really cool and he shares that and you just feel a little bit more connected to the music you feel a little bit more connected to the person to the band it just kind of solidifies it for you so anyways one of the songs that he wrote along with the Foo Fighters, is learning to walk again. And I'll just read you a couple of verses from here. And again, 
I would check these songs out if you haven't heard them. They're they're great songs. A million miles away, your signal in the distance to whom it may concern. I think I lost my way. Getting good at starting over every time that I return. Learning to walk again. I believe I've waited long enough. Where do I begin? Learning to talk again. Can't you see I've waited long enough? Where do I begin? So there are songs like this, another song, times like these. There's times like these we learn to love again. There's times like these we learn to live again. There are these songs that have a deeper meaning as he shares the context of losing somebody and then, you know, moving into the space of rebuilding and healing. And maybe that looks like moving on, but I don't know. Moving on has a, I don't know, it feels kind of negative. Like you're, you've moved on and you've, I think it gives people the impression that you heal from it and then that's just it. But maybe grieving successfully isn't really learning to move on. It's just more like you're learning to walk again. And learning to walk again looks different from how you walked before, but it does signify that you're continuing on. So we have this night in hearing his story, and it's amazing. And like I said, this is post-COVID, so we're all jazzed up. And we want to have more of these experiences. And of course, I just look it up, and I see that they're going to be touring in Phoenix at a music festival. So we buy these tickets and we decide that we are going to see them in Phoenix, that we're going to travel for that. So we do. It's an excellent show, just like every show that I've seen from them. It's just all, it's really good. And that was in February, 2022. I remember leaving the show about an hour, no, not an hour, an hour. Can you imagine leaving the show an hour earlier? A song early. Because this is real life. So you're in the moment, you're loving it. This is amazing. And then you're thinking about real life. We're like 40 minutes away from our Airbnb. Ubers are going to be expensive. We don't have a car. We have to like make sure all the logistical things come into play. So we leave as they're singing. They're about to sing their last song and uh, say, oh, you know, this was awesome. At least we're going to see them in July because that July they were coming to Philly. So we were so stoked. We're talking about how awesome the show was. I remember saying, you know, they're getting older, but they're not slowing down. Like their energy is just on fire. If you want a song to just pump you up and get you going, listen to Foo Fighters, No Son of Mine. Oh my God. It was like just such a good freaking show. So anyways, it's a great night. We leave. We'll see them in July. Awesome show. Can't wait. Um, And then, you know, we come home and about a month later from that time, I woke up And I got a text message from my friend Kara, and it was the first thing that I saw in the morning. And I just remember my stomach dropping and there was, I gasped and my husband was like, what's wrong? And I said, Taylor Hawkins died. Taylor Hawkins is the drummer to the Foo Fighters. He's like, what? No. And so we're just looking, we're Googling stuff, looking up articles, waiting for something to say that it, you know. It's not true. It's some sort of a rumor, but no, it appears so that Taylor Hawkins died while getting ready to perform like he was supposed to perform that night. And only about a month after I saw him. So they were on tour and he died. And I don't know that there's an official statement on, you know, how he died. I know that he previously had problems with substances and said that he didn't have problems with substances, but I remember in an interview, he was basically saying like, listen, I take care of myself. I go to the doctor and I don't want to do all my interviews and talk about my past and my, like with drug use, I don't want my kids to see that. So 
I don't know. I mean, I imagine that they wanted to, whatever the reason was that he died, I think his family probably wanted to keep that information for themselves. And I think they tried to do that. At this point, if you Google it, I don't really know what will come up, but that's my take on what happened. None of it really matters because he died and he left behind a wife and kids in his band and fans all around the world. And I think that I've talked about this with other people. I've talked about it on this on the podcast. I've referenced this exact thing and feeling a little like I was judging myself and saying like, I feel a little dramatic to be saying that we were devastated to hear that he died, but we really were. And I think there's a way in which like when somebody who we admire from afar, like a celebrity dies, I don't know, it, it feels like it's a little of an overreaction to say that, you know, you were impacted or you were grieving and we were really down. I mean, we just saw him, we were hoping to see them again. And then we just really felt for, we felt for his family. We really felt for Dave. Like, can you imagine going through what he went through and his loss of Kurt Cobain becoming the front man as the drummer and then losing his drummer? And it's just so, so freaking sad. And I think, you know, when it comes to celebrity death or people, again, that you admire from afar, there's something, even if you don't know each other, there are things that connect you. The music, the story, the emotions, the fun, the experience. Like, So even though you don't know them, you still do know them and you still do lose something. And that's really sad. Like, That's still sad. That still matters. And then it's everywhere. Like, It's hard to get away from it. Um, And I think there's also the grief of, you know, I'm missing this person and I'm so sad for this and I didn't even get to know them. So it's like grief within grief. I don't know. Anyways, so we don't know what's going to happen. The lesson learned was, damn, like you really never know. So take in the moments as you can. And yes, life is going to go by, but try your best to enjoy it and not let all of the dumb stuff like being able to get an Uber (laughs) or not getting stuck in traffic, take you out of the experience of living a really full life because you actually never know. Like we left that last song and had we known, you know, we we would have stayed for sure. So anyways, at this point, I don't know if they're even going to tour again. Like I'm thinking, how do you pick yourself back up and get on stage and do this again? How do you do that? And how do you do that in front of other people? The pressure that comes with grieving in front of your fans and just in the media, that just feels like a lot. And then who's going to drum? Like, he's an excellent drummer. I don't see Dave going back and drumming. Like, who would it be? And they've been around for so long. How else will this make sense? So we just wait. And uh, they did two big tribute shows, and we tried to go to them, but we couldn't get tickets. And that was really beautiful. I'll say my first takeaway in dealing with grief in this lesson, you know, there are many lessons, but my first takeaway was like finding ways to have community in your grief, to be in community, to be with other people who are going through something similar. And even though we weren't at these concerts, it was beautiful. It was healing. It was supportive to know that there were other people who were also grieving as well. And other people in the same boat, like not necessarily all people who knew him, but fans like me who were really upset about it. I remember that day I uh, was working out and I looked for a themed run on the treadmill, there was a Foo Fighters run and it was an old one. Like it wasn't new. So it wasn't packed and it was in the middle of the day. Um, Cause you can see on the screen, like if there are other people in there and there were two other people in there and they both gave me like virtual high fives on the board. 
And it just felt so special because I knew exactly what they were trying to say. They were trying to say, hey, I know why you're here and it sucks. And you're probably running and trying to trying to get yourself through this hard time with this run as a way of your healing. And I know that, and I don't know you, but I'm somewhere in this world and I'm doing the same thing too. So finding ways to grieve in community, to watch those other concerts. I went to uh, another show. I saw the Red Hot Chili Peppers and the drummer of that band was, you know, close to him. And um, it was cool to see him be honored in other ways at other shows as life continued on. That drummer had the Taylor Hawkins hawk, I guess like a logo on his drum. And people in the crowd had signs up, you know, they have their Red Hot Chili Pepper signs up, but they had signs that say play for Taylor because that was the same day of his tribute concert in London. And that was beautiful. It was just like moments of of knowing that you're not alone in this. And that's a huge message for grief recovery and learning to walk again because you're not alone in it. And yet it can feel so incredibly lonely and isolating and sad. Okay, so fast forward. This is all um, springtime 2022. Some point either towards the end of last year or the beginning of this year, they start and it's just kind of radio silence on their end, which I would expect. They say, you know, we're going to cancel all of our shows and we just need time to grieve and heal as a family. So we just wait. And uh, at some point they announce that they're going to start touring again, festivals only. So we're like, okay, we got to get in. Like we got to see one of these festivals. One of the first ones they announced and the closest one to us was in Boston. Boston Calling, May 2023, my husband and I go. And at the time, I mean, I think that it was probably only like maybe their second, very early, you know, if I'm wrong with only the second, it, it couldn't have been more than many more than that second performance together since he had passed away. So this is like a really big deal. And I'm just like, what's this going to be like? How's the show going to be? And there were some things that I noticed that I took out for myself is watching them go through their grieving process, watching the community of fans go through their grieving process together. These are things that can help me with grief, not, not only just as a fan of the Foo Fighters, but in life in general. So new drummer, a friend of theirs who has worked with a lot of different bands, great drummer, Josh Fries. He ends up being the one who at least is stepping in. I don't know if he's an official member, but he's the one who's going to be the drummer. One of the first things that we notice when they come on stage, and by the way, everyone's like on the edge of their seat, the energy in the, the field in the complex where the festival is held. I mean, it's electric. It's it's on edge. Like everyone's just waiting. And we've been waiting for so long, right? Like a year to just kind of see what's going to happen. How's this going to go? So they come on and uh, it was just great. Like, it's just so awesome. One of the first things my husband noticed was Josh Freeze, his shirt said, fingers crossed for the new guy. I thought that was so sweet and so funny. Funny first, sweet leader. You know, they're just kind of acknowledging, like he's coming right out and acknowledging it. Like, I hope this goes well. And of course it's going to go. I mean, he's very talented, but he's acknowledging the elephant in the room and making a, a funny moment out of it. And I'm no stranger to the effects of humor and getting through really dark, sad things, grief being one of them. So that was another thing that I noticed. So we're talking about, trying to find ways to grieve in community with other people who are experiencing not even the same exact thing, but maybe the same emotions or the same loss. And then the 
The other thing is humor, trying to find ways to just make it a little bit lighter so it's not so damn heavy. The latest joke that I've had with one of my clients, she'll probably laugh as she hears this, was, um, did you ask God to stop putting you on the strong list this year? (laughs) Like, things just keep getting worse and worse and worse. And at some point, it's like, oh my God, God, like, I know you think I'm strong, but can you take me off your list for like, give me a break? And that's been one of the ways that I think we talk through really hard times um, is just to try and lighten it up. One of the things that I noticed Dave was saying as the show went on was he talked about how to make things okay enough for this, the show, the music to be able to happen, given this loss that they've been through. So they talked about how they travel with family now all of the time. So his daughter was there and his daughter came out and sang, um, Dave Grohl's daughter. She's done that before. But also they're traveling with Taylor's family, his wife, Allison, and his two kids. And that was nice. Like, just be around the people who are going to bring you comfort, even if it's the people that, uh, how can I say this? Sometimes it's hard to be around the people who went through the loss because it feels really sad to be around them. They're a reminder of who's not there. Again, avoiding grief, not effective, right? So I think... I'm sure there's a comfort for them in being with Shane's family. I mean, Shane's the son, sorry, with Taylor's family. But there's also this like reciprocal way of holding grief together and not being afraid of being around the person who is holding the trauma in a different way than everyone else. I mean, the band is devastated. They lost him and his wife, his kids. To bring them along, I just thought that was really beautiful. And it was clear that it was a way that they were helping to cope and get through it. He kept making comments about this has allowed this to happen. And so he said, playing with Josh, the new drummer, he has helped us feel comfortable to do this. And that's, that was really all he said. He didn't. We knew what he was talking about. But I just thought that was cool that he was acknowledging it and and speaking through that. He also talked about some of those songs that... He's now playing with different meaning, learning to walk again times like these. He said, you know, I I wrote these songs a long time ago and and we've played them for a really long time for you guys. And as time goes on, these songs take on different meaning. And what he was saying is I'm taking the songs and knowing that I wrote these songs at a previous time in my life where I lost somebody and I wrote these songs to heal. And now same function, but different meaning. One of the things that DBT skills can teach us not just DBT, but principles in Buddhism are just around like not suffering and trying to find ways to create new meaning out of things. And I think being able and probably pushing yourself to sing these songs that are filled with emotion when you just lost this person, that's got to be really freaking hard. So it's leaning in and also allowing it to take on the new meaning that it has. So I thought that was really cool. He also said, a couple of times, you know, this was Taylor's favorite song and we used to sing it together. And so I'm going to sing it tonight for him. I want to play this song for Taylor and his family because it was his favorite song. So there were like two moments like that where they had a big hawk on the screen. It was an intentional moment of honor. And that's something that I talk to clients about. How are you honoring this person that you lost or whatever it is that you're grieving? It could be anything from you know, singing a song like they're doing something grand. It could be lighting a candle. It could be sitting in prayer, sending well wishes. It could be anything, but how are you doing something intentional to help move through that feeling of grief? The other thing 
that I thought was really cool. I mentioned that they traveled with family now. They were with Taylor's family and his son has been doing a little bit of drumming. His son wants to be a drummer. He's like 15 years old. And they have him come out and do a song. And I just thought it was the most precious thing. Again, I'm a fan. I'm grieving. I'm also a mom. So I'm just activated. And oh my God, this boy is just so sweet. So he comes out and he's getting set up. And uh, Dave's kind of messing with him a little bit like, all right, Shane, we got to hurry up. You know, I can't stall all day as he's getting himself situated. Goes, plays the song, does a great job. And it was nice to see them wanting that to go well for him, for Shane. Like, you know, it's just so cool. But the most precious part, I'm going to try to post this on Instagram whenever this episode comes out, um, the video of it. But it ends and he comes off stage. And I kept recording when he goes off stage because they're showing it when he when he runs into the back. He immediately gets embraced by Josh, the drummer, and his mom hugs him. It looks like Josh is telling him like, yo, you did a great job. He looks really happy. And he hugs his mom. Like she hugs him and holds him and they just walk back together. And I just, I don't really have words to put on what that is. Like, it's not necessarily like have encouragement or be around encouraging people. I mean, yes, those things are all wise. They will all help get hugs, give hugs. It's just the feeling, the feeling of, oh, this is hard. And here you all are. There's a really great song to listen to. So they just released an album and there's a lot of grief in it. So you might want to check it out. You might want to avoid just like um, how I have been tending to do. But I think these are ways that we can kind of like flirt with the feeling of grief without getting burned by the ice of it and slowly do levels of exposure in that way. So the album that they just came out with is pretty grief focused because of what they're going through. But there's a song that I really, really love. They played it there. It's my first time hearing it. It's called Under You. And I'll just read some of the lyrics to you, but I really want you to check it out. I woke up and walked a million miles today. I've been looking up and down for you. All this time, it still feels like just yesterday that I walked a million miles with you. Over it, I think I'm getting over it, but there's no getting over it. There are times that I need someone There are times I feel like no one. Sometimes I just don't know what to do. There are days I can't remember, and there are days that last forever, and someday I'll come out from under you. I was going to stop there, but just this one, I promise. (laughs) I'm sure it doesn't hit the same with me reading it. Someone said I'll never see your face again, and part of me just can't believe it's true. Pictures of us sharing songs and cigarettes, this is how I'll always picture you. Ah, I just think they did such a beautiful job. And I just think that they are really doing their best. And also the concert was different. Like the energy was different. If you've never seen them before being there, I don't think you would have thought like you would have left and been like, that was a great show. My experience is Dave seems a little more tired. I feel like he's probably emotionally exhausted. And he's doing his best. Like he thanked the crowd. Thank you for being there with us. Thank you for helping us through this. And I believe that for him. I I believe that this is all a part of how he is learning to walk again. But it takes a toll on you. I think he, his screams, like his screams used to be a little louder. And this is all just a part of him learning to walk again. I'll leave with this. My last little example of flirting with grief 
outside of music. I started, I read this book, excellent book by Lori Gottlieb called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone Has a Box of Tissues on. It's written by a therapist about her clients and about herself going to therapy. I didn't expect it to be a grief book. And I don't know that it's categorized as one, but there's just a lot of grief in it. But I will say I finished that book in a way that left me feeling like I understand grief is a part of life. And that's part of what makes life so beautiful. And that made me feel really good about just being alive in that moment. A lot of people, especially if you have therapy language, you might've heard of the stages of grief and loss. They are, I'm saying like, because I haven't looked at them in a long time, but anger, denial, bargaining, acceptance. I have this note from the book that I read and I remember the context was her saying, you might be familiar with these stages. And there was somebody else, unfortunately, I don't have that right in front of me, who added another task. And the task or goal is to integrate the loss into your life and create an ongoing connection with the person who died while also finding a way to continue to live. And I feel like that's exactly whether it's loss of a person loss of yourself, a piece of identity, a job, a relationship. Like, isn't that what we're all just trying to do? How to figure out how to hold the bittersweet feeling of experiencing love, peace, happiness, and joy, and knowing that that's also going to come with pain, grief, and loss. And so the more that we can lean towards it, I say we, I also mean I, like talking to you, girl, take your advice. The more that I can lean into it, the less of a sting it'll feel. And I also really believe that it'll allow me to live a life way more fully than if I'm trying to avoid it. And I hope that that's the same for you. Okay. Big exhale, shake it off before your next thing. Probably got a little deep here. I'm curious to know what you think about this episode. Leave me a comment, send me a message on Instagram, leave me a little voice memo on here. Let me know what you think. I want to hear about what your thoughts are, especially if you're a Foo Fighters fan, if you went and listened to the music, if you know anything about this, um, or just how you are playing with grief in your overall life. I would love to hear about that. Little announcements. We are going into summer, summer, summer time. I can't believe I did it again. I'm getting really confident. Some of you reached out to me after the whole ABBA situation and really unfortunately reinforced me. And I feel better about doing these ad-lib singing moments, which is funny because I didn't do any of that for the Foo Fighters songs. I'm not that confident, but I am more confident. Anyway, it's summertime and we are going to spend the next couple of weeks of summer recapping some of the top episodes from the last year. It's been one year, y'all. T-Talk has been a thing for a little over a year and I'm so proud. 10 over 10,000 downloads. Over 10,000 times people listen to these stories. And I can't tell you, I feel incredibly honored that you do that, that you choose to tune in and listen. And I'm just so glad that it's getting out there and that it has been helpful. There are some awesome episodes in the bank coming in the fall. So make sure that you continue to follow the show if you haven't, I know I say this each time and it gets annoying, I'm sure, but if you have not reviewed the show, please do it right now because it helps a little gal like me trying to make it in the podcasting world. The more follows, the more reviews I have, the better the show does and it reaches more people. If you know somebody 
that you think would like this episode, please send it to them and ask them to do the same. Enjoy the summer recap top episodes. Again, if you haven't heard them, they're awesome. If you've heard them, they're so good that they're worth listening to again. So these are the most downloaded episodes. If you have comments on them, share them with me too. It doesn't matter that they're that they're replays. They're, they're some of my favorites. So I hope you enjoy them. I hope that you are having the summer that you're meant to have, whatever that means, no expectation. I hope that you're experiencing the positive side, the sweeter side of the bittersweetness that comes with grief. And I just hope that you're well. Thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you soon. All right. That's today's episode, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to Tea Talk. I hope that your cup of tea is full today and that you were able to pull something out of this for yourself. If you know someone that needs to hear this episode, please send it their way. And let me know what you're thinking by sending me a message on Instagram. I love hearing from you all. And make sure to follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And if you are loving what you're hearing, please leave me a review and a rating. It would mean so much. All right, friends, take good care and I will see you next time.